This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me is math professor Heim Goodman-Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. I'm a math professor at the University of Arkansas. Good morning. Last time you were here in the studio, you sent us to the banks of the Buffalo River. Oh, yes. And there were pebbles, beautiful pebbles on the banks. And as there you, are. As there are, yes. And in this hypothetical situation, I could pick up a pebble... But I can only hold one pebble at a time. That's right. So you're going to pick up one pebble and then... Either keep it or toss it. Right. And at the end, I get to keep one pebble. That's right. However, once I've tossed a pebble, I can't go back and get right. it. And there were going to be ultimately 140 pebbles. Just say. You don't but, know how many. Right. Right. But you want to... You said, is there any way to determine that the pebble that is kept is completely at random... A one in 140 chance. Exactly, there were even a, chances. Right. As if you'd put them all in a bag, shaken the bag, and plucked one out. Which was my earlier solution, but yeah. then you told me that you couldn't do and that. it's kind of amazing. It seems impossible. Yeah, it does. It does. But but see, with, with two pebbles, it's, if there were just two, you'd know what to do. You'd, you'd pick up the first pebble, and then you'd take the second pebble, and 50% chance you'd throw it, chuck it, right? Mm -hmm. Or keep it. And then it'd be exactly 50-50. But if there are three pebbles, what you do is you do exactly that. You pick up the first pebble. Pick up the second pebble, 50-50, toss it. Now you know that those two pebbles, it's 50-50. The third pebble you pick up and you keep it with one-third of a chance. Right. So one-third of a chance you keep the third pebble versus or and chuck the whatever you had in your hand. Mm -hmm. now, now that means that two-thirds of the time you would have had one of the original pebbles. Right. And 50% of that it would have been the first pebble or the second pebble. So that exactly works. It would be one-third, one-third, one-third. If there were a fourth pebble, you keep it with one-fourth of the time sure. and chuck the previous one. Then you would have divided the remaining cases into thirds. And on is, and on and on. Which would have been a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. And so there would have been uh, one in four chance that you would have ended up with any. So if there's 140 pebbles, you go along. The first one you keep. The second one you keep 50% of the time. The third one you would keep one-third of the time. The fifth one, one-fifth of the time, and so on, all the way to the last one, which you would keep with probability 1 and 140. Right. And it's amazing. It's such a beautiful, simple, Yeah, it's, it, elegant it, it's very simple. And I mentioned that it's somewhat like dating because yeah. as you're in the dating world, you meet someone and you think, well, maybe this person is the now, one. Of course, we both did. Met. It worked out, right? <laughs> I outkicked my coverage, as they would say in football <laughs> parlance. Um, but but there is, it's similar in that... Yeah. This person I kind of like, and maybe this person is the one. Right. But maybe I'm going to go for this other person. So, so now instead of pebbles, suppose it's packets of money. We're walking down the okay. buffalo, and there's packets of money, but you can only keep one. Uh -huh. And you, But this time we know how many packets of money there's going to be. But we okay. don't know how big the packets are. Well, maybe there's like a million dollars somewhere. But maybe there's only 44 cents in one. Yeah. Maybe there's – but we don't even know what the biggest packet is. We want to pick the single biggest packet. Along the Buffalo, a pack, packet of money along right. the Buffalo River, which of, of course is highly hypothetical. Yeah, uh, but uh, unless DB Cooper was flying overhead, some right, years but it's ago. the same with dating. Say right. you want to get the best date, one after another. You're trying them out, and right. So, um, so there's an amazing thing, uh, an amazing strategy that works an incredible percentage of the time uh, for getting for picking the exact maximum. And I won't prove it. We meant, I mentioned this on the website some time ago. But remarkably, what you do is you – if you know, say, there's 100 of mm -hmm. hundred women you're going to date, well, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> right. But uh, 100 packets of money. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is you, you test exactly one over ETH of them, which is one about over 30. ETH. One of E, the magic number, mm -hmm. 2.718, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You pick out 
you that turns out to be about 38% of the time, 38%, you, you test each of those to see, to get a good sample of how the sizes of the things, and then you pick the next biggest one that you encounter. And incredibly, that actually picks out the big, the best of the whole bunch, a surprising proportion of the time. In so, fact, one over, one over ETH of the time. So let's say I'm picking up these packets of money mm-hmm. along the Buffalo River. So you and try out the first, if there's 100 of them, okay. you'd, try 38. Out, you'd try out the first 38. And say out of those 38, the biggest number has been $10,000. Right. Toss that one aside, and then the next time I come up to one that's $10,000 or more. I keep it. It's a it's a keeper, and then that's the and amazingly that always that uh, generally works. That kind of makes the, the you first explained that to me years ago, and I kind of scratched my head, but it makes sense now. Yeah, it's neat that it's exactly that magic number. I mean, but we don't have the we can't you know, really explain that on the air, right. but it's in the. And, the, the and yes, there are odds that the hundredth one that you because you already picked up the tenth, the hundredth one might have been a billion dollars. Yeah, and you'll never necessarily yeah. know. Yeah, but but okay, that's cool. That, that makes a lot of sense. With us in the studio is uh, Steve Morris from Newbridge, England. No, he's not with us in the studio. I mean, he's via the phone, yes. Hi, Steve. Hi there. How are you? Great. So um, uh, I guess as many of of our listeners now realize, you're a regular contributor to the Math Factor website, and it's great seeing your posts, and thanks a lot for joining us. So it's been great uh, fun, actually. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we really enjoy uh, enjoy your contributions. I wanted to ask you about your Kate Bush conjecture this morning. Sure. Yes, this is uh, actually something I heard on a BBC program called More or Less, and it's uh, I thought it was wonderful. It, Kate Bush uh, did a song called Pi, and she actually sings 150 digits or so of the number Pi, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it's, uh, it's better than it sounds. Now, she did pretty well, but she got a small number of digits wrong. And this has led to the Kate Bush conjecture. (laughs) And Kate Bush conjecture says, as pi is an infinite sequence of digits, and as it never repeats, then surely the sequence of digits that Kate sings must be in there somewhere. So that's the, uh, the weak Kate Bush conjecture. And there's a strong version as well, which says that Kate could have sung any sequence of digits at all, and they would have been somewhere within pi. Hmm. I guess if uh, if it were really were truly random, a random string of digits, that's absolutely right. They would appear. I guess. Uh, do you know anything about the status of that? Well, well, the weak Kate Bush conjecture is true. I believe someone has found these digits in pi. Oh yeah. Uh, but the uh, strong one is unproven. So I think people tend to assume it's true, but uh, the thing is, of course, pi isn't random, so you right. can't assume anything. That's right. And you can think of, you know, it's fairly easy actually to think of sequences of digits which uh, never repeat, which where it wouldn't be true. So, for example, if you had a sequence which only contained the digits 0 and 1, then you'd never have any sequence there which contained any other digits. Right. So it wouldn't be true for that. But given a random sequence, you're right, anything must occur at some point. You know, so the works of Shakespeare must be in there somewhere. Yeah, that's a beautiful you know? idea. 
Yeah. In fact, you know, this podcast will be in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled correctly and incorrectly. So <laughs> exactly. So, do you have a puzzle for us today? Sure. So, yeah, so I've got a, a puzzle for you. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. If you have a clock which is stopped, how many times a day could it read the right time? Well, okay. if figuring that it's, you know, your standard 12-hour face clock or whatever, uh, twice. Okay, Seems so that's possible. what you would think. Now, it's possible. <laughs> that's what you'd think. Yeah, that, that's clock. a no. That's a no, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, it all depends, doesn't it? So I've got a clock, and I can make it read the right time 208 times in a day. And it stopped. And on one day of the year, I can make it read the right time 218 times. So the puzzle is, how can you make a clock which is stopped read the right time more than twice a day? And there's a number of uh, ways of doing that. He's got a lot of tricks. I, I mean, you, this is not yeah. just one simple. It's a collection of clever... Can, can I ask a question? I know that we generally wait for the answer till the next time, but could I get on, like, a supersonic jet and go could. to different time zones? Yeah, that's a very good idea, actually. Yeah, that's, that's one of the tricks for you. Oh. Just, uh, but there's more. Okay, okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'll, I'll save any other comments till next time. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, thank you very much, Steve. It's great having you on the uh, on the podcast and on the site. So, okay, thank pleasure. You.